three. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Y'all heard. Woohoo! A podcast for me, Marissa Phillips. And me, Pete Phillips. I'm not related no matter where the sun sets. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And this is a show that was originally conceived as a conversation among two friends laced with sharing information on a topic that one of us didn't think the other knew about. It has since sprawled into a universe of friends and heroes who support us by dipping their ear in the water of knowledge, even if they will get a mild ear infection from doing so. In other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Like, I mean, it was really conceived as a way to stop me from having such a wild drinking problem. <laughs> anyway, how are you? So my ankle is doing a little bit better, better enough that I have walked to work the last couple of days. And when I was walking home from work today, in true Wilkes-Barre fashion, of course, I found myself walking past a woman mm-hmm. who, it's probably like 70 degrees outside, but she has a hood over her head. She's holding a cup of coffee. And when she walked past me, she just said, shithole. To you? She just said it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's kind of the week I've been having. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I've been very stressed and sad, and I don't really know what to do about it, so I just watch TV. <laughs> so yeah, that's been that's been all that's that's going on. Nothing really huge. Uh, my Utah Jazz got eliminated from the NBA Finals. So did the Bulls. Sorry, Marissa. I mean, I haven't been a Bulls fan since I was a child, but thank you. Yeah, I, I figured, uh, you know, the Knicks didn't make it in, so I thought I, I would, in my head, align you with the Bulls. <laughs> yeah, and I'll take that, yeah. The WNBA starts, I think, um, this weekend when this uh, episode comes out, and so that should be uh, fun. I don't know who my team is yet, though. Is that one lady still in jail overseas? Yeah. Cool. That's cool. Anyway, I went house hunting. No, I'm not buying a house. I went hunting to, for a house to rent uh, in Hershey, PA. That's called uh, house renting. Okay, I was like, yeah, we went house renting. And I will say, so we're going there because my boyfriend got a job. <laughs> but I'm trying to be like the positive one. But boy, the moment... We pulled in to Hershey Town proper at night, and there were, like, no fucking lights, street lights anywhere. I wanted to die, and I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then, finally, it got a little bit better. But long story short is, I'm still waiting to hear if we get the house I wanted, but the realtor that I never liked, but mm-hmm. out of obligation, we let her show us some places, Showed us a place that had duty on the toilet. Cool. I mean, it was a stain. It wasn't like a piece of shit. But did I tell you, Pete, that my but father... if you're trying to sell a house, you can change the toilet seat for 20 bucks. Like... <laughs> but Pete, did I... Or not, not a stain. I mean, like, he just needed to clean it. He didn't need to change the toilet seat. Even, just... even more, yeah. It's probably his know. shit. <laughs> that my father was like... You know, don't let the realtor take you somewhere sh- shitty, no pun intended, just because you guys are minorities. When I was young, and I asked a realtor to help me find places to rent, they took me to a place with literal shit on the floor. 
And I was like, you mean like real shit? Or like, oh, it was like shit. And he's like, no, 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 there was, there was duty on the floor. And I was like, did the realtor know that? And he's like, I don't know. So, I don't know, man. That was, that was, that was rough. And then, for the first time in my life, we had dinner with his new work colleagues, just like one guy and his wife. And doctors either, doctors are usually very interested when I, they hear I'm a writer, and then they are so disappointed when they hear I'm not a novelist. Who the fuck do you know who's a novelist? Really? Everyone. Well, that's, that's the thing. Whenever you watch TV and there's a group of people, there's always a writer. It's gotten yeah. to the point where that trope, I'm just like, whenever I'm watching something or reading something and it's like, oh, you're a writer. I'm like, oh, God, really? <laughs> if someone's a novelist, you don't want to hang out with them. Right. And I, I'm fair. I mean, I'm, I have social problems, but I'm tolerable enough. That means I'm not a novelist. That wasn't the end of my thing, though. I was going to say, these are the first doctors I spent time with that, like, really... Like, I, I said, like, you know, I do this, but I really, like, used to do creative stuff and write for this fashion magazine and write for these nerd blogs and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, man, that's cool. We got to introduce you to such and such. Basically, mm. my boyfriend's colleagues, one of them is related to a woman on the reality show Married to Medicine. And I don't know why, but I really want to meet her. I don't want to become a reality show star, but so you can get her on the podcast so i can get her on the podcast (laughs) that that seems to be the new one now too there's a podcaster who's in a group of people now (laughs) but it was funny because i was like there's not really that much of a link between what i said i do or i guess i'm just like i'm not like i want to get into reality tv and they're like oh we gotta show you her and i was like all right i'll go for this ride whatever this is where you think i'm like, I want to be a reality star, and I just want to be wild. Maybe they think I want to be unmarried to medicine. Yeah, that's I true. Don't. I don't even know what that show is. I guess it's a woman married to a doctor. No, I'm sorry. It could be a person married to a doctor. Wow, Marissa. <laughs> no, I imagine it's like Real Housewives. Yeah, I imagine it's women married to men, just because that's how those shows usually go. That wasn't me saying women aren't doctors. <laughs> But also, I guess, like, significantly less glamour. I mean, yeah. Unless they're, like, plastic surgeons. They're probably, like, really balding. I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. That's how I am. Just trying to make sense of my life. Icebreaker. I have an icebreaker, Marissa. Am I going to hate it? I hope so. Cool. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the first one that comes into your mind and make uh-huh. that your favorite. Okay. What is your favorite letter? L is not, but it reached my mind. <laughs> huh. Why do you think it, it popped up? I don't... Ew, that's the question? Yeah, yeah, that's it. What's your favorite no. letter? No. Oh, what? No! <laughs> what is the real question? That was it. That's that's my icebreaker. <laughs> no, that's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. Okay, I am going to hijack this and make up one. Mine is uh, E. Why? 
Well, because in the uppercase, you know, you get to work with lines. I like that. I think that's fun. If you're writing it in cursive, it looks like a backwards three, and I like threes. Um, the lowercase, I think, is kind of fun because it's like a circle, but then, like, part of it's broken, and, like... So I guess you just don't study letters as much as I do. No, I don't. I mean, that's interesting. I'm going to ask another icebreaker because I don't find that exceptional. <laughs> okay. Call us at 570-POD-WAD-1 if you'd like to share what your favorite letter is. <laughs> yes. Guys, uh, about an hour ago, I received a shipment of my limited edition Coca-Cola Bite. That's B-Y-T-E. This is a limited edition Diet uh, Coke Zero that's supposed to taste like, quote, the magic of pixels. So it's supposed to taste like a pixel. I haven't tried it yet. It's chilling currently. So, Pete, I want you to tell me a flavor that you would like there to be, but not not a real flavor, like something intangible, like a fucking pixel. And before this, there was Coke Starlight, which is supposed to taste like gazing at the stars. So tell me some nonsense intangible Coke flavor you'd like to see. And and do I work for Coke? Why? Like I'm going in and making a pitch for something I think might sell? No, it's what you want. Oh. Joy. Okay, I like that. <laughs> do you have Although any- I guess that's natural Coca-Cola, according to that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. But I mean... I mean, you. Yeah, okay, so that's your final answer? You can go ahead. I'll let you know. Uh, whimsy. Whimsy's no. good. No, wait. Oh, no. Are you familiar with Sandman, Neil Gaiman's comic book? I know it exists. Okay. So there is a whole family of people who, like, each one, like, embodies death, desire, delirium, destiny, despair, uh, uh, shit, destruction, and I think something else. Dick? Not dick. (laughs) I would, first of all, I would love a whole Sandman collection, but if I could only pick one, I want to know what delirium tastes like in a soda. But you're a woman. (laughs) You're out of control. (laughs) You're out of control. Um, I'm sorry. Sorry, we need to pause in a minute. I have to respond to something very quickly. No, that's good. Okay. So, after some deliberation, I have decided to pull back my initial suggestion of joy because it makes me feel like I'm sad. <laughs> okay. But also because it's an adjective. And it seems like they're going for nouns. So I'm going to say Coca-Cola clouds. Wait, joy is not a noun? Well, I mean, you know what? I, an emotion, I guess. Oh, okay. Like an intangible emotion. Where now I'm thinking like, it seems like they're going for things that exist, but... Are, oh, wait, so have no like, flavor, you know? Delirium doesn't count either, then. Right. Ugh, Your answer made me realize that both of our answers sucked. Okay, I'll change. 
Coca-Cola Cloud sounds wonderful. It practice a cotton candy, right? It depends on what the star one tastes like. Cotton candy. Yeah. Well, some people would say roasted marshmallows. Cotton candy and coconut. Okay. <laughs> coconut cotton candy. Okay. Um, Cocon... Coco... Cotton candy nut. No! <laughs> no! I'm just going to have it. Okay, then I pick... Coke... <clears throat> Coca-Cola fire. Now that's just cinnamon, right? Yeah, my uh, my friend who like sort of just had... I don't think it was Coke, but it was like Mountain Dew Flame or something. Uh, I would have Coke... Ooh, Coke... Coke diarrhea. No! <laughs> Coke Enchanted Garden. Okay. okay. It tastes botanical. Okay. All right, and then another one would be you have a six-pack, and you get three cans of one, three cans of the other. One is dark and one is light. Okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, I was going to say something that made no sense. I was like, Coke, Adam, and Eve. What? <laughs> <laughs> Trademark signed Coca-Cola. You can't steal any of our ideas without giving us at least $5 a month on Patreon. <laughs> So there is a no segue uh, from that topic, uh, from that uh, icebreaker to my topic. Um, when I told people my topic was, he was like, oh, no. Oh, because we'd be afraid that, you know, like, the reason that Coca-Cola can't have our ideas is because we're afraid that they would go viral. Oh, for sure. For sure. Especially Adam and Eve. Anyway. That, that was to help you with the transition. Oh, I thought you were just saying <laughs> Why are you saying this? I already started working. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that was lost on me. Okay, speaking of viral, I want to talk about something that, you know what? Maybe you were involved with this, and this is old news, but I knew this was happening, but I never even bothered to look up to Google it. And the whole time when it was happening, I was just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What is everybody talking about? Never looked it up. So I was like, you know what? What the hell did happen in March 2012 when everyone lost their motherfucking minds and would not shut up about Coney? <laughs> so today I'm going to talk about the viral video and surrounding movement <laughs> uh, of Coney 2012. Pete, what, what do you know about Coney 2012? Uh, so, Coney 2012 itself, only I found out today was the actual video. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the video, they depicted Coney, who may as well not even have a first name, yeah. as a, a, a murderous, I don't even want to say dictator, but like a, a murderous despot of some sort in Africa. <laughs> who killed everybody, made kids turn into uh, soldiers, and um, and if only the Invisible Children Organization... Is that right? Yes, but see, it seems like you looked this up. I want to No, 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 no. Oh. If only they could raise money to build radio towers, <laughs> then they could get signals to these kids and these, these people to let them know that there was safety and that they could uh, 
escape. Okay, I don't know anything about Radio Towers. The reason that I know about this is because Saracinto was a major supporter of the Coney 2012 movement. I will say, I knew at least one person. I don't even remember in what way. Maybe they just had a bumper sticker or they would talk about it. I knew one person that was linked to it. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) And it's not, yeah, okay. So what the fuck is wrong with you having compassion for humans no. in Africa? No, no, no. <laughs> because why do you have compassion? It was because what the fuck is this viral bullshit? The whole time I was like, this is a scam. What the what the fuck can we like? I mean, what? I, I see what you're saying because I didn't see it as a scam. I saw it as a, like a slick rubber. I saw it as like it would be akin to. Like famine, twenty-two. Like people around the world can't eat and they're not getting food. Let's make it into a trendy viral marketing campaign, rather than, uh, I guess, spending that money on. <laughs> yeah. On uh, getting food for people. Again, I'm what? thinking of you. Three million dollar or whatever I said it was. Three. Oh no, it was billion to uh, Uranus. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's unpack the whole Coney 2012 phenomenon, the video itself, and was it a scam? Did it achieve something? Let's look at it. Okay, so March 2012, a 30-minute viral video called, as I said, Coney. Can you imagine? It's only 10 years ago. There's no way in hell 30 minutes would go viral today. (laughs) Yeah, I know, God. That's, that's 15 seconds is what we get in TikTok, yeah. right? <laughs> absolutely another world. Okay, so an ultra-viral video called Coney 2012 appeared online. Uh, we were told we needed to make a bad guy famous to save young children in Africa. Uh, for one, quite brief, but per- but perhaps, you know, longer than most things are viral these days. For one brief viral reek. Coney 2012 was everything and everywhere, and then just as fast, it wasn't. That's an interesting perspective, too, because, yeah, it would be like, if World War II were happening, it would be like Hitler at 41. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, like I said, it was an online video. It was like a very, it was a 30-minute documentary uh, that focused on crimes that most Americans hadn't previously heard of. Uh, and, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find an American that really knew who Coney was before this was made. Um, the video was produced by the small California-based organization called Invisible Children, which was founded uh, by three amateur filmmakers, uh, aimed to raise awareness about Joseph Coney, a warlord who had led the Lord's Resistance Army, also LRA, an extremely violent militant movement known for its use of child soldiers in Uganda and Central African states. Coney had been indicted by the International Criminal Court for war crimes. Marissa, are you okay? Why? I just heard a roar behind you. Oh, that's, you know, that's a motorcycle. Oh, okay. It sounded like a lion. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Coney had been indicted by the International Criminal Court for war crimes and crimes against humanity. Among them, 
kidnapping tens of thousands of children to use them as sex slaves and soldiers. So fucking heinous stuff. Um, and the video's message was simple. The world needed to come together to stop Coney. Now, as I said, uh, Invisible Children uh, was a small nonprofit, and it was founded actually as far back as 2004. Um, and basically, you know, this, this organization was a bit different from other charities because they were targeting teens and youths. Who I mean, notoriously don't have money. Yeah, but <laughs> they could spread the word. They, all, um, they do have a lot of social capital. They do. And uh, some of the organization's tactics to spread the word about atrocities <laughs> included, sorry, atrocities are not funny, but I find this funny, included stickers, stencils, posters, and wristbands. But of course, the centerpiece of the project was the Coney 2012 documentary film, which was first actually posted to Facebook. And it was promoted through a Coney 2012 branded profile uh, photo account with a call to action that we all must band together to stop Coney. Um, within six days of its March 5th release, Coney 2012 had racked up more than 100 million views, making it, at the time, the most watched viral video. I cannot imagine how many people watching a 30-minute video. That is not Beyonce. <laughs> cannot imagine. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I, it was, I don't know if it was quite 20 minutes, but I did spend a lot of time watching behind-the-scenes videos of the guy starring in the Michael Jackson musical on Broadway right now because it seemed like a very heartwarming story. But anyway. Uh, I, just, I just had a drink from my preferred soda, uh, Diet Caffeine-Free Pepsi. And uh, the can just like made a little noise because I held it a little too tight. Mm. And I wanted to tell you, because I will forget, and I'm sorry to intrude. Um, today I was at work, and I was drinking out of a plastic bottle of water, and I mm. put it down. And then I was working on something, and the little plastic bottle of water like made one of those noises where the plastic pops out. Okay. And I jumped. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> you need to break, please. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so yeah, so many people were watching this video, and they were shocked by the film's heart-wrenching footage of terrified homeless Ugandan kids, and drawn in by the relatable first-person narration of the, not my words, but conventionally handsome, blonde, white guy, Jason Russell, Mm -hmm. one of the co-founders. Again, I'm not saying, like, oh, fuck this guy. I'm just saying, like, everyone in all these articles I've been reading, like, make a point of bringing that up. Yeah, they're all horny uh, for him. Yeah. Also, I didn't watch this video. I, I didn't want to. The Jezebels have a song in it. Who did? The Jezebels. Oh, interesting. What song? I don't remember. Oh. Okay. Come on. <laughs> There's also a point in the video where Jason Russell's, like, blonde, you know, uh, adorable little child that Jason Russell explains the situation to his young child, and apparently that's one of the really impactful moments, and I'm just like, why would you... That just seemed pointless to me. Anyway. I wonder how that kid's doing today. What? Oh, yeah, I know. Probably like a teenager. Uh, Yeah, I guess by this time, yeah. Uh, And it's also worth noting that, you know, besides, you know, being narrated by some hot white dude, uh, this is an incredibly well-produced video, especially for the time. Uh, before, you know, high-end production methods 
and uh, good cameras were the standard for videos online. Uh, this project really stood out as top-tier professional content, uh, you know, perfect for YouTube and the Internet in general. Uh, and it contained all the aspects of your average viral video, emotional swells, calls to action, and, of course, it did promote some sort of merch box with, like, wristbands and T-shirts to, to raise awareness of Kony. Um, so, as I mentioned, the plight of Ugandan children living under this threat of kidnapping, rape, murder is, like, is fucking terrible. And the reason why, you know, one of the reasons this movie was impactful was because there was something each of us could do, according to the video. And you had to do it now. You couldn't wait. This is kind of why it took everybody by storm. Because the video kind of made it seem like we only have until the end of the year to stop Joseph Coney. And they we won't need to stop. Make they won't stop until he's caught. Yeah. Like, this is this is so important. We need to all band together to do this ASAP. One of the taglines was, one thing we can all agree on. And I was like, I feel like we can agree on a, a lot of other things. <laughs> Only this. Um, so, what could you do? What could you do to stop Coney? Or at least to further the efforts? Well, according to this video and this movement, give you could your share money. the... I mean, yeah, give him your money. But also, uh, you know, in a, in a classic, as they say, slacktivism tactics, you could share the video with your Facebook friends. You could tweet at the African Union, or you could tweet at celebrities, such as Ryan Seacrest or Tim Tebow, because uh, some celebrities did get in this game. Um, you can add your name to the Stop Coney pledge that technically bound you to do nothing in particular, mm -hmm. or sign up for recurring monthly donations to join our Army of Peace, as it was called. Uh, if you were truly committed to helping Stop Coney's child soldier camps, you could buy the Coney 2012 Signature Action Kit, uh, which was a $30 package that included a t-shirt, wristbands, and posters that equated Kony with Osama bin Laden and Hitler. And, of course, there was a price point for every level of concern and awareness. So, did it work? I mean, did it have any impact? Or was it just total bullshit? Was it a scam? Because all this time I figured it was a scam. Um, in terms of its goal to raise money and awareness of Kony's crimes, I mean, technically, yes. Invisible's children collected $5 million in the first two days of its campaign and netted even more from celebrities such as Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey? Winfrey, <laughs> who gave $2 million. Uh, Bill Gates apparently tweeted the hashtag, whoa, and Rihanna <laughs> shared a video. Also, George Clooney offered his private satellite network to military forces wor working to catch Coney. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, but the major change Coney 2012 suggested, you know, never truly materialized. Uh, mainstream, tra mainstream, you know, traditional news sites and news methods had picked up the story, but most of the stories were focused on the video's viral success more so than Coney himself. Uh, the Ugandan conflict continued long beyond that video coming out, uh, despite U.S. involvement that had begun even before Invisible Children uh, made its video. Um, an interesting thing, though, that I had no idea. Um, so timing 
it, this just all happened at the right time. Because uh, this video came out during the Obama administration. And because their mission, Invisible Children's mission, coincided with a number of public policy priorities of the Obama administration, such as the prevention of mass atrocities and conflict prevention and uh, regional security cooperation in Africa. Which I know you're uh, thinking that every president's policies should should be stopping mass atrocities. <laughs> but we've learned. <laughs> hmm Not the case. Um, yeah, so um, because it kind of coincided with Obama's priorities, they had an impact on U.S. policy towards the LRA you remember what? What is that? Lost Lord. What? Lords. Something army. Okay. Yeah. What I mentioned. Because I remember, like, I, when you said that, I was like, "Oh, I didn't know the Lord was involved." <laughs> <laughs> I could scroll up, but then I will lose place in my notes. Mm-hmm. But that's basically the army that Coney leads. Um, and towards the LRA crisis, uh, most notably, the U.S. policy. Um, I guess I was infected with the LRA Disarmament and Northern Ugandan Recovery Act and the decision to send U.S. military advisors to the region to assist Ugandan military forces hunting for Kony. Uh, the alignment of the, these policy priorities with Invisible Children's mission has also led to a close collaboration between the military and the organization directly in the field. But, uh, you know... Again, Invisible Children and that documentary, they really set the goal of, quote-unquote, stopping Coney, specifically mm-hmm. stopping Coney. And something like that, like, that's really hard to achieve. Uh, and people point out, you know, that while, like while, well, like I said, there was some overlap between Invisible Children and the priorities of Obama's administration, um, the LRA was not the top priority of U.S. foreign policy goals in Africa. They were like far more, I guess, according to the government, more pressing uh, matters to attend to. Uh, So it kind of like, basically this video just like bumped up something that was not our priority and made everyone be like, oh my God, we got to do this now. But they were perhaps more, they were, I don't want to say more pressing because kids are being raped and you know, enslaved. Not that that's not important, but I, I don't know. I, there was something else, U.S. There are yeah. other... Sometimes, athletes. like, systematically, you're kind of like, oh, well, if we approach this, then that will trickle down to help these kids or something like that. Yeah. So, oh, and so, it's important to know that Joseph Coney, to this day, we either can say was never captured or isn't or, or still has not been captured because it is alleged that he died in 2021 from COVID, but some people don't believe it. Oh. But I remember when, oh. when they were doing this stuff, it was like they wanted you to pledge support kind of like you can do to this podcast at patreon.com slash y'all heard. And it was like a pledge, not obviously legally binding, but it was like pledge to help with financial support until we catch Coney. So that's like fucking insane. Right, and it's like, I, I don't know that you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. you, if that was the case, you would have still been fucking... So whenever I donated money to support Sarah's efforts, um, 
Yeah, I would always do it in like sums of money, not monthly pledges, because I was like, I don't, I don't know if this guy happened. <laughs> Evil's everywhere. <laughs> oh, so okay, yes. Yeah, so the moral of the story is like the grand, in the grand scheme of things, they did not achieve their goal. But you know, you're, you might be like, shit, they actually achieved a lot in a short amount of time. Well, in just a short amount of time, uh, shit, shit went awry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Ten weeks of the video going viral, Invisible Children was criticizing was criticizing was criticized for oversimplifying conflict. <laughs> I mean, no surprise there. Uh, for focusing too much on making films rather than finding practical solutions to the problem. Uh, for an alleged covert religious factor, and I guess apparently the founders also were posing with machine guns. I don't know in what context. Um, Did you say my- missing Ugandans? <laughs> What? They were posing with missing Ugandan? Machine guns. Oh, machine guns. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I, it's just it's just six o'clock, and I know that you live in the center of ten churches. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like didn't even compute that that was happening. <laughs> um, much of the criticism of Invisible Children <laughs> was focused on the tone of the video, which has been called by some as soft bigotry and part of the white savior industrial complex and serve to prove, provide justification of American military intervention in African nations. And basically just like furthered the thought that like, like Africans are not as civilized as the Western world and they can't take care of themselves and they need white people to save them from their conflicts. Uh, again, I didn't watch the video, but did you? Uh, did I watch the video? Yeah. Yes. Did you get that tone? Do I remember anything from it? Not exactly. Oh. I remember the Jezebels were in it. But um, I didn't necessarily... I mean, I'm white, so maybe I'm not a good gauge. But I thought, I thought like, oh, these people are trying to draw attention to a, something that they see as a problem. I don't know that they were necessarily saying, like, the U.S. involvement is the only way to, yeah. like, solve the problem. But, you know, like... The guy was a dad, too, right? And so, like, if you have kids and you know that kids the same age as your kid are being turned into slaves, you know, I think maybe you just go, like, hey, I'm going to put something out there and see, yeah, you know, if anybody's going to bite and actually do something about this. Yeah, so Because it could have it could have just as easily been they put this thing out there and maybe only, like, 500 people watch it and it doesn't go viral. So yeah. it, uh, it's, it struck a chord. Um, I can't imagine it was only with white people, but maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah, I don't... I... I don't think they portrayed the African people as, like, incapable. I think it was just kind of like... Like, there are parts of the world that are underdeveloped to deal with a problem like this. And, like, this is obviously not, guys, a one-to-one comparison, but... Growing up as a boy, when I would watch the A-Team, I would think that, oh, there are small towns across America that are being bullied by people, and somebody needs to come in and do something about it, and that's when the A-Team shows up. (laughs) Similarly, I saw this as, oh, yeah, there are parts of the world that are, where where things are really, really shit, and somebody's got to come and do something about it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know who that person is. I guess America is the A-team. 
Because yeah. it's with an A. I think they are. Um, but in yeah, Albania. I, <laughs> I mean, as, as we mentioned, this went crazy viral. But that's not always a good thing. Uh, no, it turns the spotlight on you. Exactly. And for one of the co-founders, Jason Russell, the pressure was enough to cause a very public breakdown just mere weeks after the video went viral. So they had achieved so much, and then it kind of came crashing down. Uh, TMZ released what some would call a career-destroying video of Jason Russell, uh, one of the Invisible Children founders, having a fully nude meltdown in the streets of San Diego weeks after it came out, the video. Allegedly, Russell was overwhelmed by the instant fame and had a breakdown due to dehydration. His breakdown was unfortunately caught on camera and involved Russell pounding the sidewalk in public, screaming the F word, ranting to himself, clapping to no one in particular, and shouting about the devil. Uh, Russell was not arrested and he wasn't charged, but he was placed on a 5150 psychiatric hold. That's San uh, Diego? Yes. Huh. Why? Just because that sounds like where I live. Like on a Tuesday. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, Russell was hospitalized for a few weeks. Uh, and his statement by his family said the diagnosis was a, quote, Brief reactive psychosis, an acute state brought on by extreme exhaustion, stress, and dehydration as a result of the popularity of the campaign. It was so uh, popular, he dehydrated a man. Oh, I don't really understand why he couldn't have just been drinking in the midst of it, but whatever. Because you're going from interview to interview. I mean, can you just have a bottle of water with you? Anyway, I don't go out my house. And then be bottle. ridiculed for using plastic bottles of water? Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> And then he could have had a, a metal one. Anyway. <laughs> so, what happened? Where is it today? Well, first of all, in 2014, Invisible Children announced it would be going through a transition. The organization said that most of the staff, including Jason Russell, who at the time was the only remaining founder still on board, they would all stop. What happened? See, I don't know why the other ones dropped out. Should I know that? Maybe. That <laughs> uh, they would all stop working for the organization and that a small team of four individuals would work through 2015 to continue their lobbying efforts and then would formally hand over the Africa-based programs by the year's end. Um, actually, Invisible Children still exists today, but I don't know who the hell is in charge of it. Um, and at the end of the day, as weird as it all seemed, I guess it wasn't all that bad. Um, Invisible Children apparently put a vast sum of the money they collected, they made from the campaign to good use, and they funded more schools and radio communication programs. See, radio and, towers. Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> the right areas of Central Africa. Uh, they continue to operate today under new leadership with the goal of improving the lives of children in war-torn African territories, but the original founders... Uh, are in no way involved. And that wasn't funny. <laughs> but, uh, I had, I just had to. I just, in the, I always just think of, like, Coney 2012 is as, like, stuck in my mind as, like, what's that fucking thing? What's that, like, not equated? But just, like, one of those things that people say, and I feel like they don't know the, the finer points of it. 
what was the thing of that gorilla that got killed or something? Harambe. Yeah. Like, it's just something that like, people say, and, like, I don't feel like half the people even know. I mean, they don't say it in the same context as they say Harambe. Yeah. But I just, it's just, like, a thing that, like, it's a thing that's, like, stuck in the back of your mind. Like, that was a thing. But I, I, I just, like, what the fuck was that thing? I don't even know what the fuck Harambe was. Um, but Harambe, if I remember correctly, was a gorilla that was killed because it attacked a child. But, um, but like, do you kill the gorilla because the gorilla does like what it's instinctively supposed to do in a way? Which is kill children. Not kill children, but kill things that it perceives as a threat. <laughs> <laughs> that is what gorillas do. Um, no, no, no. I and, I and I'm not. Please, no, I'm not equating Harambe and and Cody 2012. But I'm just saying sometimes things kind of become a big phenomenon, and then just the whole like the origins get lost, and it just becomes like a punchline. Because yeah. Cody 2012 definitely became like a punchline, and uh, so enough I just, that there's a video called "Kids React to Cody 2012." God, I. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't watch it. I don't... Yeah. I'd rather read about it than watch some guy's weird video or anybody's weird videos trying to, like, make children cry about Coney. Because I assume that's what happens when he shows his son the stuff about Coney. I don't know. That shit's just weird. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I. If you actually, like, were involved... By the way... I'm sorry, I was very judgy, and then I said, like, if you were involved, I was like, what the fuck? But that's because I thought it was all a scam. Uh, I didn't think money went anywhere good. I thought it was just, like, some white people who learned about something bad and then used it for their advantage. But, uh, yeah, this actually taught me more than probably most of the research. Um, if you were involved in any way in in the Coney 2012, like, campaign... Call us at 570 pod I'd love to hear more about it. Um, also, I mean, if you were like me and you were like, what the fuck was that? Uh, yeah, tell us, tell us what you think. But, uh, yeah, did you learn anything else or did you know everything I said already? No, I didn't really know what happened with... I mean, yes, I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's been 10 years. Maybe like five times since then I've been like, did ever catch Coney? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and like looked it up and all that, but uh, no, I think like a lot of the aftermath stuff, I I didn't really. I remember um, something happened to one of the guys, you know, that sort of thing, but I didn't know in great detail what it was all about. Mm-hmm. I mean, the aftermath. I knew what the. I feel like I could have, you know, won a trivia show. Uh, <laughs> Based yeah. on how much I knew. <laughs> huh. Yeah, okay. It's, yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I at least brought, brought something to light. Like I said, I, I mean, I'm glad I know it wasn't a total scam. Was it possibly, like, misplaced efforts and weird priorities and some things mishandled? Yes. But uh, it seems like overall, you know, there was no malice and it, it came from a good place. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think people that were... I don't think anybody was like... I don't think anybody who watched the video was like, yeah, I can't fucking wait to perpetuate this myth. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Or like... You know, I I think... uh, 
like you were saying with Obama, uh, just the state of the world, um, you know, like truth, truth was a little bit, it was a little bit easier to have hope in things that you heard about. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it didn't hit the amount of scrutiny or something that, uh, it would hit today just because people have access to so many things and, you know, yeah, you could, I'm sure you could at the time too, but like you could probably read tweets from the people who live in the Congo who are like, yeah. this Coney shit, come on, I want some food, you know, <laughs> rather than <laughs> going after this guy. Yeah. And like, and I'm so fucking cynical today. I would, I would not even like, and I feel like more people are, so I don't even feel like it would have come this far at all. But, um, and then I feel like, yeah, I, there's just a lot of things to back there, but, uh, yeah, so Pete, uh, any questions? If not, what can you plug this week? Um, no, I was just looking really quick and, like, uh, I remember using, uh, the Invisible Children website as an example of, uh, a website that motivated people to do stuff, um, okay. when I would teach web design. But yeah, like, they're still there. Yeah. But it's I unclear what they do. No, exactly. Oh, found actually, out, find out what we're doing today. They lo- they partner with local peace builders across Central Africa to end violent conflict through locally led solutions. That's what that's what they should have been doing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I think you know I I don't know was I don't think the video was like now call your senator and declare war on Coney. Um, I think it was people have to do something, but. You know, uh, if you think of something like Black Lives Matter, if you were to just walk around and say Black Lives Matter without having any ideas of, like, what to do in response to feeling like they don't matter, you know, um, then people are just going to be like, so what the hell do you want? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, there's a problem. You're drawing people's attention to it. But, yeah, if that many people find out about the problem in such a short amount of time, the move isn't going to be, let's figure out a response. It's going to be, what do we do now? Like, you tell us next, what do we do? (laughs) At work, um, several years ago, there was a guy who, during one of the, uh, one of the, like, institutional meetings of some sort, uh, he raised his hand and he was like, hey, um, faculty have a council that looks out for them and, uh, you know, advocates for them. And would you ever consider there being uh, one for staff? And the president of the college was like, yeah, I mean, why not? You know, um, we've never had something like that. We've had other groups and we've tried to represent staff at, you know, meetings and stuff like that. And uh, then it became this guy's problem (laughs) it was like now you're the guy who runs it and you're the guy who has to get everybody on board and everything like that and it wasn't because it wasn't because the president was like oh you got a good idea let me shovel shovel it all on you now it was because he was the person who spoke up about the idea and nobody else knew what to do so because you took the out like because you took the hit of standing up and and proposing this now you have to run with the ball (laughs) yeah yeah, that sounds about right. So, yeah. Be careful what you advocate for because, yeah, people are going to, you know, always do your research, too. Um, not that you could have done. 
I don't think there was enough stuff around before the video that people could have been like, oh, I don't know if I, uh, let me do some extra research on this and read some articles about this problem. But anyway, um, plugs. I wanted to, I wanted to plug, um, open range. Okay. That's called outer range. Sorry. Um, on Amazon prime, it's a, it's a mystery thriller, sci-fi weird show. Um, but I mostly enjoy it because Josh Brolin is playing a sort of cowboy again. Oh, okay. And, uh, he owns a bunch of land in Wyoming and he's out on the land one night and he discovers a big hole that seems to go nowhere. Okay. And, uh, the rest of the show just becomes what it's about and like, what's, where'd the hole come from? Where does it go to? All that sort of stuff. So it's very spooky. Okay, that's fun. Yeah, I don't know. Um, trying to think. I don't think it's gory. My other plug that I was going to make is gory, and that's Killing It on Peacock. Killing It? Yeah. What's that? Uh, that's with Craig Robinson, who normally I'm like, oh, it's a Craig Robinson vehicle. But um, it's a show about a guy, a down-on-his-luck guy who hooks up with Claudia O'Doherty, um, actress, not actually Claudia O'Doherty, but uh, a character played by Claudia O'Doherty. And um, there's a prize of $20,000 for the person who can kill the most pythons in Florida, outside the Everglades. And so the show, um, there's a lot of dead snakes there's, oh, I um, see that. It's gory? I mean, it's I'm, not so gory, but there's one part where I know you would be very upset. <laughs> and it doesn't have to do with snakes? I mean, I don't care. Yeah, about yeah. Oh, man. But the I snakes, I feel like the snakes are so false. Like, they're so obviously fake um, that you go like, oh, I would feel bad if that was a real snake. But that's obviously not a real snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll say this. There's a part where somebody gets shot. Uh-huh. And you wouldn't want to watch that. <laughs> That's weird. I wouldn't. I never got that that would happen in that kind of show. I thought it was just like a full zany comedy. It is, um, but it's it's sort of like just a moment where you see the result of the shooting, and you're That's like, oh, comedies, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> people love graphic <laughs> violence. Okay, what are you gonna do? Ooh, ooh, yeah, like, do people love graphic violence? It feels like they do. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just gonna be a broken record, but I'm gonna I'm gonna plug something slightly different. I think last time I plugged the dollops coverage of Steven Seagal, and now I would like to plug the Fraudsters podcast coverage of Steven Seagal, which mo- mostly focuses on Steven Seagal as a race hustler, meaning acting like he's a race not his own. One episode basically focuses on his exploits pretending he's this like master uh i forgot what kind of what kind of karate he does yeah i know what you mean though but like everything from wearing the kimono to yeah holding a sword (laughs) exactly lots of cultural appropriation in japan 
then he like likes to wear a lot of Native American garb mm-hmm. and act like he was gifted it by Native Americans. And then in episode two, it talks about how he kind of insinuates like he might be a little bit black. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you really just, you know, if you, I mean, I hope you listen to the dialogue about him because that was wild. But this one is mostly zoned in on how he's a trash person who wants to pretend he's many things beyond white. Again, it's the Fraud Fraudsters podcast uh, on Steven Seagal. Man, I don't know why everyone's talking about Steven Seagal, but I'll take it. I'll, I'll listen to ten more podcasts about Steven Seagal. <laughs> He's so sucky. <laughs> so that's my that's my plug. Yeah, if you have any suggestions of things we can do for you out on Patreon, please let us know. Um, Five seven zero Podwad one is our phone number. You can call about the show. You can also call about the Patreon. You can message us, I think, in Patreon. Oh, my um, God. Give you the April. Uh, oh, yeah. April's over. Is it? Uh, broke our streak. I can always backdate it. <laughs> so, uh, so how about I was going to do uh, um, uh, what's gonna call it? a playlist. I was, it was going to be called April Showers Bring Me Flowers. And it was going to be downer music followed by really poppy music. But I feel like it could encompass either April or May. So can I give that to you today? Oh, you don't have to put the pressure on to do it today. You have until May 30-something. Oh, okay. So it's an <laughs> April-slash-May playlist. I apologize. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, wish your mamas a happy... Not a happy birthday. What the fuck? Be nice to your mamas on Mother's Day. So help me God, if your mother has a birthday this weekend, don't you dare wish her a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I bet... Yeah, don't <laughs> Um, and uh, stay safe guys Uh, everyone seems to be getting COVID slowly all over again so please stay safe yeah okay bye